Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of In the Trenches, a podcast about responsive learning experience design, where we discuss how to design and deliver flexible course content in a variety of modalities, settings, and situations. I'm Eric Ward, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mike Vanderpool. In this episode, we kick off a series of podcasts in which we will be discussing techniques for better online learning from the learner's perspective. We level set by creating a working definition of online learning and talk about the importance of preparing for the differences between online and face-to-face learning experiences. Finally, we discuss how we'll support this series with additional resources. Let's get to the show. Hey Mike, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Um, today was the day I got tired and came home early. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Finally ran out of gas today a little bit. Right. Well, it's been a it's been a sprint, right, over the last yeah. week and a half for sure. Yeah. And you know, I think I, you know I've noticed that too, just in general at work and even home life. Right. When the with the shutdown, it was it was it was different and it was really intense, but now it's kind of like we need to settle in and figure out how this is going to work because it's kind of turning into a mini marathon, right? Yeah. I mean, there is, there's so much going on everywhere for everyone, even outside of their typical day to day um, with, you know, the the state and and support functions and support things that are happening that you still have to apply for these things and fill out paperwork to make these things happen. Right. Um, Right. So lots of planning, lots of paperwork, lots of trying to do what's best. And then yeah. me coming up, coming up with a crazy idea to try to hold a virtual summit in a, <laughs> right. in a, yeah, that, a few weeks after the semester ends. But um, Right. Yeah, that'll be fun to plan. So yeah. so, um, so with this episode, right, we've, we've talked about this. We're going to start uh, a series uh, for the month of April. And we're going to call it um, 30 Days to Better Online Learning. And we're going to take it from a student's perspective. So, um, you know, what we want to do today is kind of kick that off, frame that a little bit, and then, um, you know, talk about what that series looks like and what you can expect from us from, you know, what people can expect from us over this month as, as far as that goes. So, um, so, the, so the idea, right, is we're, we're thrust into this online learning. We discussed a little bit on, on uh, Monday, I think, that Somebody said it's it's remote learning, not necessarily really good online um, education kind of stuff. But I think there are things right that we can do right away as a student, as instructional staff, to make it more educational and more like a really rich experience. And so I think we want to start talking about that, right? From a learner's perspective, how can we, even if the course wasn't originally an online course or built to be that, we can we can still make it effective, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know right now that there is a little bit of the um, back and forth. Uh, no, online's great. And then people are, no, online's not so great. Oh, we're going to call it remote learning because it's not the same, but it might actually be worse in some deployments, right? There is no, um, there is no uh, one size fits all here. There's lots of different deployments of lots of different things, even prior to this with online right. stuff. Um so yeah, defining what at the end of the day should be just defined as good learning. Right. And, and that's what I was going to say. Cause yeah. you know, when I, when I was um, teaching at the high school level, right, there was a big push. I, I taught technology, right. I taught 
programming, right? So it's all tech, it's high tech, you know, and I would have to say that my room was probably the lowest tech room in the entire building. I had a, uh, I had a projector that I hooked up to my computer and we, we looked at code and we looked at things. I didn't have a smart board. I didn't have, you know, and, and again, those things are great. Smart boards are great. Zoom is great. You know, overhead projectors are great. But at the end of the day, to your point, it, what's good learning, right? And, and you know, you, you use the tools that you have, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, a, a great teacher can use two sticks. Right. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, um, so one of the things, right, we're, we're starting with the, with the student's perspective. Um, I mean, from, from your viewpoint, why is that a great place to start? Uh, I mean, that's who we're building these things for, right? So right. if we're looking yep. at the user, um, you know, and, and human-centered design and the design thinking methodology, everything that puts the user first, right? We're designing for somebody who's actually going to use this thing. If we aren't thinking about them, and this happens in higher ed all the time where decisions are being made for students and there's not even students in the room. Right. Uh, uh, how on earth can we ever expect to have them fully adopt it? Right. If they're not part of the process. Right. Um, I don't know. Well, and, and I think it's an, a little bit analogous to backwards design, right? When we talk about this, this start with the end in mind and we start with backwards design. We start with the outcomes, right? Yes. What do we want people to be able to do? I think this is analogous. It's like we are teaching students. So what do the students need to be able to have a good learning experience, to be able to acquire the skills or knowledge that we, we want them to and, you know, come out of this, you know, with the outcomes um, that we want them to have, right? And if you don't start with the, the student mind or the learner in mind, um, it, like you said, it's really hard. I mean, that's, that is the end goal, right? So you might as well start there. And every, all design is assumption based, right? I mean, you're making assumptions um, about how people are going to behave. And, and especially, you know, visual design is, is all about behavior change. And I mean, that's what learning is, right? It's a changing of either your mental behavior. Um, you know, obviously sometimes with, with some vocational and other trainings, it's physical right. um, things that were behaviors that were changing. Um, but if you're going to make all of these assumptions and not test them with the actual people who are going to be using them, then man, you're wasting a whole lot of time and money building right. something that people might not need, might not right. want. And definitely if those two things aren't, aren't met, they're not, or one of those two things isn't met, they're not going to use. Right. Right. Or at least use yeah. effectively. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, and, you know, and I think, you know, the, the, the next piece is, you know, um, you know, what, what's our experience been in that. Right. And so I think, you know, obviously over the last, you know, couple of weeks, we've, we put out some, you know, podcasts and, and video casts of what's going on in, in your life right now, um, yeah. at the college level and moving online. Um, you know, I, I'm going through the same thing at work. We've talked about that in, in corporate training, but you know, we've been at this for a while. Right. And we had, you know, when we were at a former employer, right, we took a, an online coding or a, a coding boot camp that was face to face and, and in the classroom on the ground and we moved it online. And I think we learned a few things. I think we did a lot of things right there, but I think we also did some things that um, if I were going to do it again, I would change up a little bit. Right. And yeah. the way we, the, the, the mix of communication and how much, you know, live interaction with the instructor there are, there's, you know, there, there's different things. So, you know, we've had some experience in this and I think, um, 
you know, we've learned a few things over the years. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to put the experience that we've had. Um, I mean, we are so close to, we're, we're basically having boots on the ground with this. Um, right. and, and we've seen it from multiple levels, at least, you know, me personally, um, you know, uh, community college 20 years ago, holy mackerel, a long time ago. Right. So I yeah. went through community, I went through community college between 1994 and 2002. Yes. I was in the eight year plan. It was a little bit, a little bit like Van Wilder, um, yeah. without the, without the, well, well, I'll stop there. Um, but, uh, right around that time, I can't remember exactly. That's when they, I remember them, they started to talk about doing online classes. I never had an online class as part of my, um, undergrad either at Monroe community or Oakland, but during my master's that was fully online. Okay. Now I was fortunate because I was fully online, but I was also a grad assistant. So my grad assistant office was like right down from my faculty members and I, you know me, I love talking and face-to-face interaction. Like that's just like right. my, what, what gets me going. So I was fortunate to kind of live in both worlds. But like when I look back at that time as a student in that space, I mean, there was a course I took that I basically followed a link to a, a Pearson lab and could never had any real interaction with a faculty member. Right there was a period of about three weeks during probably either my, you know, last or second to last semester where I was like, screw this. I'm not doing anything. And just didn't even touch the LMS or any content for three weeks because of how, how the system was designed. And I don't know that anybody even knew that I was, had done that. Right. Like in all honesty, if if somebody vanishes from a learning environment for three weeks, they're a flight risk. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. um, So, you know, after that's been my experience as a student, um, all around up and down. But then after graduation, you know, working with our former employer and part of the guild and taking, I mean, we took a boot camp and put it in what three, at least three different LMSs. We integrated yeah. Slack into a blended hybrid model, whatever you want to call it, to full yep. online. Yep. And integrated um, Zoom as well as Slack. Yep. Yeah. You know, like several years was, ago, right? Did we use Zoom back in the day? We did. We yeah. Did. Okay. Um, and I mean, there is just, and now teaching face to face primarily, but now I'm moving, I have been moving towards this, uh, just this semester, a hybrid model where students instead of meeting twice a week, we're coming to, we're only meeting one day a week um, to serve a diverse population. So upside down, inside out, all over this thing, at least, at least for me, and I know you've been along for, for quite a bit of that ride. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's gotta be people that have similar or more experience than us, right? Where we can't be, if we're the smartest guys in the room, dear God, the whole world's in trouble. Everybody's in trouble. (laughs) But, um, but I think we do have, at least from my experience and conversations with my peers, we have a unique perspective into the, into what's happening. Right. right Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, so having said that, you know, I I think, you know, the, the first, um, and the first place to start with it, with this first podcast in this, in this series, you know, I think is, you know, we're talking about the learner's perspective and I think it's really important um, for, you know, prep to have some preparation. And I think that that's one of the things, right. That was lacking with this whole, we got to go online in five days, right. COVID-19 yeah. thing, which is, which is hard. Um, so there, there wasn't uh, enough time to prepare the way we would want to, but I think there's still some things that, you know, some tips and tricks for students as well as in, instructional staff 
that, you know, even when you have to do it in an emergency situation, there are some things that can help repair. But, you know, what what I'd like to talk about tonight is, you know, just, you know, defining online. What does that mean? Right. Because it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And what are we talking about when we're talking about online? And then um, maybe compare and contrast, you know, some of the some of the elements right in a a face-to-face versus an online um, class. And what, what are the things that a, a learner needs to prepare um, him or herself for, right? And right. what should you, what kind of headspace should you get in? So, so let's start with, let's start with online. So well, when I say online, what comes to your mind? I mean, we're online right now, right? Right. Um, I'm accessing the vast majority of my content or my, my students are online. Um, even if we have textbooks now, they're usually digital and the students are accessing those online. online. Like, yep. like most of our, um, I should say a lot of our uh, interactions with content are happening online. Right. Uh, our quizzes, our tests, all of those things. I mean, the only thing that's not really online, two things is your faculty member. Mm-hmm. in the face-to-face class they're they're talking you're you're taking notes and you may actually be taking notes on a connected cloud connected device to google i mean there's this is yep um and again this is some of just me just rambling off the top of my head on this as i think about this um and then and then your student services all still tend to be face-to-face like tutoring and things like that but right. even even then um right even like when we online. took the the boot camp online right all of the all of the help and tutoring and everything was online so so, so i think you know when, when you say that, I, I would agree with it, but I think that if, you know, this, you know, just put a scenario out there, right? I'm, I'm a student. I go to whatever university or college. I show up for, you know, whatever class I have, an English class. Even if all my interactions are with the LMS and online or whatever, if I'm showing up to a room on Tuesday and Thursday from 1030 to 1230, I would not, that, that class is not online, right? That Correct. is not an online class. It uses online tools, but it is not online. Right. So it is basically the physical proximity of the learner to the instructor. Right. Right. And, and I think that then the, from there, right, there's two ways you can go with that. I mean, there's, there's gradations in between, but right one. And I think, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, online, they're talking asynchronous, right? So it's just yes. like, I'm going to show up like a Coursera course or a plural site course where I, I log in, I'm going to watch some videos, I'm going to read some stuff, and then I'm going to do some exercises. But there's no interactivity. There's no interactivity or interaction with that faculty member. And, and, and I think that's unfortunately where online, the term online has um, become too much. It's almost treated like a synonym for asynchronous. Agreed. And it's Agreed. almost like it's an assumption. If it's online, there's no expectation that somebody is going to be in the same place at the same time ever. And that's, right. that, that's, I, that's, I think where online falls down and where some I of agree. the bad taste in people's mouth have is, is, is exactly that mentality. That I agree. And then that whole thing of, right. The whole thing is I can take my class at two in the morning in my pajamas, right? That that's not, and, and, and I agree. I think that that's where it falls down. So yeah, I think that's, the, uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the other, the other fork in the road you can take, right. Is that there is interactivity with your instructor and so it may be completely um you know synchronous right so much like the uh you know if we're you know if we're going to hold class if you would show up to a lecture hall instead you show up to a zoom 
um, you know, to a Zoom session. Um, the instructor is going to uh, lecture or have a discussion, you know, and then it can go, it can go from just somebody lecturing at you all the way to you know, stuff we talked about last week where you use breakout rooms and small groups and interactivity and all these different things. Um, but it could also be blended, right? Where there's that, that, that face-to-face live distance, you know, kind of interactivity. So it's instructor led. And, and that's yeah. the term I like to use is instructor led online versus asynchronous online. But you, but also there's a blended, right? Where it's instructor led for uh, some portion of it. There are additional resources that are asynchronous, which would include um, written material, videos and external resources. And then there's activities um, either solo or in groups, right? And, and I guess when I talk about, when I think about online, that's, I, I, I'm always thinking about what I consider the best model. And the, the be, again, like you've said, the best of face-to-face plus the best of online, putting it together. And to me, it's some mix of that, right? Synchronous, asynchronous. You got to show up sometimes at a certain place at a certain time, even if it's virtually, right? Yeah. If, if I give you, if I give, if I'm a teacher and I give a reading assignment and a worksheet to do uh, between now and the next class, well, that's asynchronous content, right. <laughs> even though, even though, even though it might be actual physical book and paper. Right. So I think, yeah, no, it's absolutely asynchronous. That distinction is where we should like kind of draw the formulation of percentages because that's, that's one of the things I think that the state uh, determines for like hybrid uh, the term hybrid of a class, how much is online, how much is face-to-face. It really should be how much is synchronous versus how much is asynchronous. Exactly. What's, what's instructor led or synchronous. Yeah. And not and when I say instructor led, I mean instructional staff, right? Whether it's a TA and a recitation or it's the actual professor in a, in a lecture, however that works. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, and, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, I think that's what we want to um, concentrate on. And, and for one reason, one of the reasons I'd like, to start there, right, is that if you're uh, an instructor or a student and you get thrust into this, um, there are ways, right? I mean, one option for the instructor is to go completely asynchronous and, and go really asynchronous and say, here's the book, read these chapters, and here's a quiz, and I'm done, right? Or I could record some YouTube videos, but I'm not talking to you guys. Maybe I have some office hours. But I think it's not because you're a teacher, right? And because you already lead these lectures and you already interact with your students, it's not that difficult to use some different technology to make that happen in the same way, right? You just need to know about it. And to me, that's, you know, what we talk about is the best of online and the best of face-to-face. So, you know, I I think that, I mean, would you, would, would you agree that's, that should be kind of our working definition of online when we talk about it? Is, is, yeah the mix of like mix so, of synchronous and asynchronous yeah. it's all distance right so nobody's in a room together but it's synchronous and asynchronous in some mix yes um and and uh, but that was one of the you know when i was doing the research on my discussion platform um that was one of the, the things that came up was like distance the measurement of distance between the the learner and the instructor is not a physical measurement right because I could be standing right in front of you. I could be sitting first row looking at you, but my brain is 3 million miles away. Right. <laughs> so, so that right. I think, I think what's happened because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about implementing for remote online learning is actually just stuff that we should be doing as a best practice for face to face, 
Agreed. But, but, but because we see people and they sit in a chair, we feel a little bit more connected. Now, now there are, I, I think the, the real value that we're going to miss is that hallway time. Agreed. You know, when I'm walking around on campus and I see you between your classes and I can strike up a conversation outside of class to actually get a better, you know, Hey, how's it going? And, and ask for a real answer and kind of like that stuff. That's, that, that's a bigger part of this um, as yeah, well that I, we don't want to get into now, but that's, I think that's how learners feel part of a community right. is some of that hallway time. Right. Well, and that's why going to going to college is such a great experience, right? Yeah. You, you, you see your classmates, you run into different people, you run into your professors. Yeah. It's, it's and you, you, you build that community up, you know, especially yep. over four years or two years or whatever it would be. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, so I think that's our working definition. So, you know, next thing, then, you know, if that's our working definition, you know, just kind of lay out some of the things we'll talk about for this month, compare and contrast, you know, you know, I'll just kind of do broad strokes right now, but you know, ways that we communicate in one versus the other ways that we collaborate, ways that we participate, and then ways as a learner that I reorient myself every day. So, so let's start, start with communication, right? So, um, or go ahead. Well, so, so I'm, I'm wondering though, if, um, I think, cause I think communication is a, is a huge, um, topic and, and I don't know if we should get into it yet. So, so, but we, we can, but I'm going to throw something out there first. One okay. of the things that I'm seeing right now from everybody as, as the adrenaline of the first couple of weeks has, is wearing off is this like, even today, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go to school today. You know, yesterday I thought I had a little bit, but today I'm like, man, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't, you know, and I think that's happening to a lot of us because we don't have that thing. That's, that's the thing with face-to-face, a big, huge difference is nine o'clock class starts. And that can be a motivator for me to get up and get moving. Yep. Yep. So I think the first step for learners is getting a little bit of a routine and a schedule and a place to work and do your work. Those yep, I think are the things that, that, because I can't even start to communicate and begin to answer email if I'm not in the right mental state to be able to do that. Right. If I'm sitting here on my phone and I get an email about something and if I'm not in a position to deal with it, I don't even want to know that that email exists. Right. So, so let's start, let's start with the last one. Cause I think you're, you're touching on that. The last bullet point that I had in there is reorienting, reorienting yourself or orienting yourself. Right. Which, which, you know, like you said, in a, in a, if I have to go to the office, and I need to be there by nine, then that gives me, I, I got a goal. I got to get out of bed. I got to yes. get ready. I got to drive into work. You know, there's, there's this routine that I have to be in. Um, the other thing is, is that I'm going to work. I have a workspace. I come to the workspace to do the work, you know, whether it's schoolwork or, you know, related to my job. And then when it's, when I'm done for the day, I go home. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to, to, you know, to your point, right. If as a student, as a learner, you have to set that space up and you know, I've, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about, um, you know, remote work, right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's rituals, right. I mean, like right now my commute is literally 15 steps, you know, I'm like right next right. to my, my kitchen. Right. But you have to have those rituals, right. So at the end of the day, close your laptop, shut everything down, leave the room, shut the door, shut off the light, something like that. And when you come in in the morning, you, you start up the thing, you get your cup of coffee and you orient yourself to, to work or to schoolwork or whatever. And you need that space, right? Well, and I think that is a, 
again, again, this is a great example of things that you should be doing if you're a face-to-face student anyway. When you're at right. home, you should Absolutely. have a dedicated space to work. Now, where this gets a little tricky is you might have four or five people in the house fighting over that space. Right. <laughs> so, so, right. so even managing like that is a little bit more more important. But like, for from the perspective of even if it is just. I'm going to just click like me when I use the kitchen table. Cause I use different places. I use like this, this chair is actually in my bedroom. Right. Um, Cause it separates me at least a little bit from the chaos upstairs in the family's home. But right. like on the weekends when I get up and do work or, or in the morning, if I'm not going to go into the office, I'm going to work from home. I go and, and clean off the kitchen table first thing and set up my area there. Um, yep. It's so it just that, that 15 minutes of orientating your workspace helps to get you in that mind frame. And, 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 you know, when we studied learning, we know your mindset and your mind frame sets off triggers that puts your brain in the position. Okay, let's go. It's learning time. I'm going to fire what I need to fire in order for you to better be able to learn. Uh, Agreed. And, and, and what I do, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a space that's my office, right? So I come I come to work every day. This is, and this is what I do. I do my work here because you know, like at night, if I'm just going to like mess around and check out some YouTube videos or just read some articles or whatever online, I'll actually take my laptop into the living room. Like I That's don't the do beauty that of a laptop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, and I, have, I, yeah, so I have a laptop and I, and I take it to different places to, you know, for different purposes. I think that's really important. The other thing that you don't get with face to face, right. Is sometimes, and I remember when I was an undergrad, I had a routine of my day, right? I had a certain schedule, you know, yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it was this way, Mon- Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something else. And I had this routine. I'd come over here and then I'd eat lunch and then I'd show up for this class a little early and do the crossword puzzle, or I'd come over here and do some homework in between. And there was always these cues around and I would move yeah. physical location and physical space, but then you'd, you'd get into the room and that room has certain triggers for, oh, this is, this is the room that we do calculus in. Okay, now I'm in calculus mode. Let me get my book open. Oh, that's right. We're on chapter five, whatever that might be. You don't have those cues. So you, you have to have ways to reorient yourself. And I think there's ways that instructional staff can make that easier for students. And they, they can make it harder for students. But they have to be able to, when they're going to, quote unquote, going to calc class, you got to be able to like, okay, I got to prep myself. You know, you know. You know you know, what might be a, a good, a good thing to do is, is set up a different user on your computer. So yeah. when you log in, this is, this is me logging in as learner or going to class, whatever it is. And my desktop, everything, my desktop background is a picture of a school. My, f- the, yep. yeah. Yeah. And you know, it just, cause that helps. Cause you don't have that. Now you don't have those physical locations on campus. Yeah. To, to help you with that. So, so again, you know, and, and we'll talk about this, right. More and more over, over this month, but, but just to your but point, th- just those triggers, that's something different. You have to prepare yourself as a learner well, that you're not going to have those cues anymore. And I talked about the different backgrounds that I'm using for my different right. classes or live streams, right. My zoom live zoom sessions. So yeah. So something that helps people orientate what they are, whether because that is the one thing I've seen in, learning management systems specifically, all the ones I've looked at and worked with, you can't tell which class you're in one from the other, except for a chunk of text, maybe somewhere. And I think that's, that doesn't help our learners because there aren't those visual cues. Because everything looks the same. Agreed. So yeah, I think you make a good point. And we'll probably, I know we'll talk about this a lot, you know, throughout this month, 
Um, but you know, once you've oriented yourself, yeah. let's say you have your workspace and, and you're kind of in that mindset, even when you're there, right now, things are still different, right? So I'm in class, but you know, if, if I'm, if I'm in class and physically there, very easy for me to communicate with my instructor. I raise my hand, right? Physically raise my hand and just wait. Um, yeah. or, or if I don't want to do that, I wait around till after class and then I walk up front and I, and I ask the question, right. Yeah. Or maybe I show up five minutes early because my professor is always there five minutes early. Right. Um, that's not available. Uh, it, well, it, it, it might be available. It might not be available. Right. So you have to take those things into account. Right. So, yeah. so we, we've talked about this a little bit, right. There's, you're going to communicate with your instruction, instructional staff differently, your peers differently and those kinds of things. But, and again, this is a best practice. The, the instructor should have a very, very clear communication plan face to face, but usually we don't because we're lazy and I see you every day. Yeah. Yeah. But online, online in this, in this, you know, hybrid async, you know, synchronous model, it's imperative that you have a communication plan. Otherwise nobody's going to know what to do. hundred percent. Right. Um, and I, and I, and part of that communication, right. So I have um, some friends that have kids that are online right now. Part of that is it's very easy in class to say, here's the thing that's due tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, go look online for these other things. Cause there's some extra stuff if you want to dig into, if it's online, uh, I know this one, this one kid who's very earnest, really, really wants to do well. They look at the learning management system and they're expecting to see two assignments and they see seven and there's no way to differentiate between what's actually due and what's enrichment activities. And it oh, freaks geez. the kid out. It freaks the kid yeah. out. Right. Because, and again, that gets back to communication, right? Yeah. How do you communicate what's due and what's enrichment? What's, you know, all, all these different things. And you don't necessarily have that level of problem face to face. Yeah. Because we're making, you know, we make the assumption when we say, Hey, follow the assignment, but one, two, three, everybody in the room nods their heads and immediately when they walk out the door forgets one, two, three. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. But, but again, right. We're, we're pretty lazy, you know, so this gets back to you. You should always have a good solid communication plan. You should have a way for people to reorient all those kinds of things, but we just generally don't because to your point, we feel more connected when we're face to face, even if, like you said, the person is a million miles away or in the back row, they look like they're really intently taking notes and they're playing Steve, right? Who knows what they're doing? So yes, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I think the other communication piece, right? And and I don't think this is necessarily um, restricted to online, but it's it's made worse by this. Is you know, when we talked to my daughter um, earlier, you know, she stays off of group chats with you know, especially in an online environment because of the code of conduct. If you're on a group chat and somebody posts something that, you know, is, is something considered to be academic misconduct, you could be in trouble just for being in the group chat. Right. right. Now, now, not that that can't happen face to face and those kinds of things, but again, how you communicate with your peers, what you have to be careful about, what you have to you know, take under consideration again, is a little bit different in a distance learning environment. And, and, you know, and we, we also experienced your, I don't know if you remember this when we were um, at the boot camp, we had like official Slack servers for people to participate in. And then everybody had their own oh, little yeah. click, clickish little Slack server in the background. Right. Yeah. And so there was all these back, this back channel communication where 
you know, we as instructors were not involved. You have to assume that that's happening. I mean, it happens face to face, right? Because they, yeah. they walk out in the hall and, and they're chit-chatting with themselves and you're not in that conversation. It's the same thing with Slack. But you, as an instructor, you got to A, know that that's happening. As a learner, you got to understand that that's happening. But you also have to understand what's official and what's not official, right? Communication. And it's, it's almost like the record recording industry back in the day, right? They would come up with some encryption, whatever, spend billions and millions of dollars right. on this new encryption thing that a 10-year-old kid had hacked a day later just to, try right. to, just to try to keep charging me a dollar for a song from 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yep. I'd pay, I'd pay 10 cents a song <laughs> if it, and this is the Napster days, right? When everybody's right. downloaded, when, when, when free music became, or free everything kind of became the thing. Um, right. But like all these things that we're putting in place where the big thing with online is, is to try to combat cheating. Maybe our assessments just need to be designed a little bit better. Exactly. Or how we assess people needs yep. to be thought out a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And, and we'll, we'll certainly get into that topic as we go. Yeah. Um, what, and you, you've, you've, what do you, the, the other thing is, you know, collaboration. So we talked about communication and official and non-official and structure or whatever. Um, you know, what about collaboration? You know, what do you, what do you see as the main differences between collaboration with your peers in, in a class between, you know, an in-person and a, in a mixed See, and it, it's, it's, my experience right now is, dif- is different because of, I've said this for how much we spend, time we spend socializing in our face-to-face, that this group that's behaving online right now is not going to be the norm. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard. Um, now, do you think that there's ways, so let's say that your class, like you knew coming in, that your class was going to be online, that they wouldn't have the opportunity to meet each other face-to-face. Do you think that you, there are ways to socialize the group that would make them behave more like they're behaving now? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you see how people interact in, in, in uh, on social media. I right. mean, people, they're, they're already acting this way. Um, I mean, my daughter has just, was just, my teenage daughter was just talking about like, you know, friends she has in Florida now. And I'm like, well, that's weird. But yeah, it's just because of how these groups are all interconnected and start talking together. So I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that everybody has to be face to face. Um, I think that socialization through online means does require a little bit more design than probably within face-to-face because face-to-face I could show up for a second give you all a drink and five minutes later everybody's cool and hanging out right right um in an online environment especially if we think about you know when when do students actually even take the opportunity to to talk to it because talking to your uh, Diana the other day she's in a class with 13 people and didn't sound like they were very well socialized I'm like well what were they doing before after class like um but I think from the from the learner's perspective, because that's what we're taking here, right? How? Do, hey, son, here he is. Hold on, we may have to. We may have to. We'll have a little edit. We'll have a little edit there, right? Uh, how do you, well, I'm not going to edit that. I love it. That's that. This is the reality, right? Yeah. How are you? How are? How do you virtually streak the quad anymore? That's I guess the, the topic for a little bit. Right. But, but how do we motivate within the learner? The, the desire 
to be participating and get to know the other people that they're going to be on this learning adventure with. Right. Because that's the trick, right? If they find value in it, if they see it and understand it and there's value, they will do it. Right. If we give them the opportunity. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, right. That, that is something we should be doing anyway. Right. And and we just don't. So a lot of this comes back to, you know, making really good uh, remote learning experiences um, is, is just kind of best practices. So, yeah. And, you know, so, well, I think, so. You know, I, 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 well, hold on, let me, let's, let's noodle on that for a second though. Yeah. Um, only because I did have an interesting experience in my, my community college experience. I said it was eight years, right? So when I first went to college, my first semester, I majored in where we were going to drink that night. That was like the only reason yep. I even, I even went to campus. Um, you know, when I went back even, you know, late or for a couple of years later, as an older student, I had a completely different perspective inside of the classroom. I was asking right. questions because I had found value there. There was a thing I was trying to accomplish. Um, I think this again goes into some of the stuff we talked about previously, where why is the learner there? If right. they're just there for no other reason than they feel like they have to sit through this or get through this because of some other bigger thing. Um, then, then there's, there's definitely things that we have to design and think about. And I think, but knowing who are the people who are there because it's their passion or their jam or what they want to do with their life. Right. Like, let's get those people together. And then right. maybe some of the other ones glom on because of the excitement there. But I think that's, that's the real key key here is like, we're not going to get everybody to do everything we want them to do. Right. Do find the, the people who want, this and help them get it yeah no agreed and then yeah because there are going to be some people in some classes that like you said i just have to be here and and i've taken classes like that before you know wasn't really interested but i needed it to get my degree or or whatever it was so Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I, i think that um learner intent is is really important and i think that that's an important question that the learner should ask as well you know what um you know what do you want to what do you want to get out of this? And you should find, if, if you want it to be a good experience, you should find something that motivates you. Right. Cause otherwise it's, it's, it's just like anything, right? If you can't find a little bit in there, it's going to be drudgery. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a class or work or whatever, you got to find something that kind of sparks you in that. And that's part of that preparation, whether it's online or, you know, face to face. So yeah. I think the other thing too, is just um, if you're fact, if you're going to have live sessions, um, you leave, uh, open up the room early or open up the room on time, but don't yep. start on time. Yep. You know, and, and I intentionally mute and walk away so they can see me not in front of the camera um, to give them a chance to talk to each other. Just, just like in the physical classroom when people are waiting. So uh, yep. the other thing is if you're going to use a Slack or a discord or some type of chat thing, like don't hover. Right. I mean, the one thing I see face to face all the time is students will not talk if you're in the room, even if you're, they're doing group work, everything's still a little bit more hushed and muted to start out. Instructors have to get out of the room, have to stay out of the space. Eventually the students will start talking. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So cool. All right. Well, you want to, anything else you want to talk about? You know, I think that covers a lot. I mean, that covers really the kind of the broad spectrum of what we want to talk about this, this month. 
we'll dive into these topics, you know, deeper as we go. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up today? Um, I think with, with learning just in general, we're social creatures. I mean, I think we're realizing this now, right. More right. than ever. And, and again, to reiterate some of the stuff we've said previously, you know, I had faculty who during that week of going remote where we were doing a lot of zoom calls and not physically in the same space who were making more connections and feeling more connected to their coworkers than when they were actually in an office next to them. Right. Um, we, we have survived and thrived as a species because of our ability to learn. Right. <laughs> and if, and if some guy hit the red berry and keeled over, we were, we were smart enough to go back and tell the rest of the group and share um, that information. And I think that if we can flip the script from, uh, there's a couple things that have to happen, right? That we've talked about this before too. The instructor is not imparting wisdom on you. Right. I'm not opening a book and like things are falling on you and you're like, Oh my, I'm smart now. That's right. We're not that, the gatekeepers anymore. Yeah. We are fellow learners in this. I think that that puts the learner in a position of, of some ownership. Um, and that's hugely, hugely important perspective to bring into any learning environment. So socially for the good of our society, the more people know the the more they learn, the more they're able to learn and adapt, the more better able we are to respond to things like COVID-19 yeah. or, yeah. or a smaller scale, just a, a small right. business challenge or something right. else, right? right. Like, Yep. That's that. That's what we need to get to right. with learning. Yep. And, and I, I like the way you, you put it right. And, and we, sometimes we slip up, but you know, using very intentionally using the, the term learners, right? What is a learner's yeah. job? A learner's Maybe. job is to learn something. A student's job is to study. Well, I mean, learning something, that's an outcome that is going to benefit you. You presumably, right. But studying, I mean, maybe it will, but studying is not like a great outcome. Learning is a great outcome. Well, what do you do? You study for a test. Right. And then you forget it because I got the A, (laughs) I got the B, I got whatever it is. And now I'm done. I'm past it. Right. I am am pretty happy. A lot of people on campus are are using the term learner now. um, Good. Because I think it does. I think it's important. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's your responsibility to learn. It's not your responsibility to study. Studying may be because studying, right. As a student studying, that is a means to an end. That's not the actual end. Learning exactly. is the end. Is the end. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, so, so speaking so, of the end. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I just wanted to kind of reiterate a couple things and then uh, we'll wrap it up. So, you know, like we talked about, we'll, we'll cover all these topics in, in depth this month. You know, we'll probably have, you know, from four to six or maybe six, seven, you know, different podcasts this month. Um, but the one thing we want to let everybody know is we're going to back these up now with some, some written content on LinkedIn. We'll have some external resources that we can point to, you know, some articles that are help, helpful because what we really want this to be right is, is practical. We want people to be able to come here and learn, from, you know, again, like you said, learn from us, our mistakes, our successes, um, what we've seen work, what we haven't seen work, get some resources out there, both for learners and instructors to, to make this whole thing easier as we go. And I think as we go through this and, you know, put more of these together, right, it'll become more and more formalized, right? The whole, our whole topic, right, is responsive learning experience design. But just kind of starting really at the, at the, the learner's perspective right now and just kind of building up from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and again, want this to be practical. We want it to be usable. 
And, um, you know, so people find some value out of this. I mean, I know it's a lot of fun to just hear us yap at each other, but it'd be, it'd be nice to have some, <laughs> it'd be nice to have some real resources and artifacts that you can use. Right. Yeah. So, so this will kind of be like when I'm in, in my travels, people have come up to me and I've run into them and, and they want to start a boot camp, and I'm like, Oh, sit down and let me tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's, so, let's, let's have a beer. Let's talk yeah, about exactly. this. <laughs> So, so yeah, I think that com- the conversational tone of this, the way that we're going to share resources, the way that, you know, we are doing this synchronously with ourselves, but this content's going to be out there asynchronously. Um, I think our advice for people who are going to watch some of this stuff and the things that we're going to bring up, you know, we're not going to be able to link directly from this content into, right. um, uh, from this video into all that stuff. But I think, you know, how we structure and start to think about how we're organizing our content we're going to be thinking about you people watching this, listening to this as a learner as well. Right. So um, if we kind of document and explain our process, which is what I've been trying to do with some of the zoom things over the yep. past two weeks, I think there's huge value there, hopefully for, for people. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, cool. Well, until next time um, we'll see you.